but you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you'd hoped you'd never hear again. I am Here we are. My name's Dave, as you know from that introduction, and this is an open letter podcast. Now, this is probably going to sound a little bit different to you from our previous podcast because we are outdoors. We are actually at Art Prize right now. We are live recording here on a Saturday afternoon with a bunch of people around. So if you hear a little bit of wind and you hear a little bit of uh, conversation outside of what we're talking about, it's because we are next to a piece here outside the Amway Grand Plaza, next to the Grand River. I'm here with Joe Reed. And I got my haircut for this show today. And the audience appreciates you getting your haircut. It really does look nice. Where where do you get your haircut, Joe? Uh, great clips. I've been a customer for 12 years. Love it. <laughs> That's good to know. So we don't actually do uh, promotions on the show often, but great clips. There you go. There's a free promotion for you on an open letter podcast. For those of you who don't know what Art Prize is, uh, Art Prize is the world's largest art competition, and it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It takes place in the end of September into October, and people from all over the nation, all over the world can submit art entries into this and the winner what does the winner win joe uh well it's there's two different types of winners one that's publicly voted for which they i believe they received two hundred fifty thousand dollars for first place and then there is a group of people that uh that are organizers that also vote and that the winner of that vote would get two hundred fifty thousand dollars so potentially five hundred thousand dollars and i think that's actually happened in the past has it not that uh that entries have won both uh no clue this is my first year gotcha Last year, somebody, Chad, the producer, shouting from the uh, other side of where we're taping here, somebody did win the popular vote and the juried vote and won $500,000 last year. So this is a big deal. It's very fun. Um, it goes on for a few weeks and attracts hundreds of thousands of people. So it's very cool. So we're, I, I've known Joe for a while, um, kind of known him. I don't know him real well, but we've known of each other for probably how long? I would say 16 years. 16 years, 14 days, and 13 minutes. So, But Joe actually has an entry into Art Prize this year. Like you said, it's his first year, and we want to talk to him about his uh, entry called Broken People. Joe, could you... Actually, it's called Missing People. Our group name is Broken People. Oh, oh, gotcha. Uh, my apologies. It's Missing People by the group Broken People. Joe, talk to me about um, how this came about. So I was driving from dropping my kids off at school one day and on my way to Starbucks and I just had the idea of uh, kind of highlighting or bringing attention to my own personal mental illness through art. And uh, this idea of a bottle with a character trying to press his way out of the bottle uh, came to my mind. And I've got a lot of friends that deal with substance abuse, homelessness, uh, incarceration and trying to find employment after incarceration. So uh, it's just kind of me reaching out and we formed a team of people that that deal with these issues. Each me each member of our team deals with this issue of, uh, and uh, yeah. So and then we just put it together. It's very cool. So what we're looking at here is Joe has taken. Um, we're sitting next to this art prize piece. Uh, how tall is it, Joe? Well, with the base, it is seventeen and a half feet tall. 
and we're going to take pictures of this and put it on the Facebook page but for those of you who are not seeing it it is a 17 foot tall beer bottle it looks like a beer bottle and it's covered with signs like a homeless person would hold that you might see on the side of the street um, asking for money so tell me a little bit about some of the signs that are up there so half of the signs are made out of uh, what you'd see, like like Dave mentioned, panhandler signs. You know, we'll work for for food, or you know, bet you can't hit me with a quarter. Um, but then the other half of the signs are, are words of hope. Uh, whether it be uh, in other languages, we have one that's in Dutch that says "er is hoop," which is "there is hope." You have Chinese and, and other things, but you know, uh, there are some sayings from AA. Where we have a couple of people that have been through Alcoholics Anonymous, and as well as um, Celebrate Recovery. And so there's one sign I'm looking at right now. It says, treated like a burden for needing help. And what we really want to do is uh, encourage people that are going through these uh, missing people experiences. And if I could just talk about what missing people means for a second, that might explain why we have this bottle. Yeah, go ahead. I, absolutely. It's very important why, why you chose the bottle with a combination of the, the signs and, and everything else. So talk, talk to us about that. Okay, so missing people is a term, uh, uh, a title that's ambiguous. So first of all, it means when you're going through an addiction or you deal with a mental illness or you're homeless, people tend to drop off the radar. And so you end up literally just missing people in your lives that have been there that aren't there. Or uh, if you're in a situation where you're isolated, because if you're depressed or you deal with depression like I do, you have a tendency to isolate yourself from other people. And um, people actually end up missing you and you don't even realize it. So... You miss people, and people miss you. That's why it's called missing people. And uh, yeah, no, I think it's an awesome um, project. I'm really, I think it's great that you've done this because on an open letter, we've actually talked about depression a number of different times. And in our last episode, we talked to a young man, uh, Jared Zimmerman, whose brother uh, took his own life um, a little over two years ago. Yeah, I was actually uh, hospitalized at two different facilities, um, Forest View, for two weeks in Holland Hospital for three weeks. So I can relate to, you know, meeting a lot of people that deal with it and, and deal with it myself. So when you put this together and you had this this kind of crazy idea, and I've been watching your progress on Facebook as this has been put together, I mean, wh- what's the main message that you're hoping people walk away with when they come? And, and we're surrounded by a whole bunch of people right now that are looking at your art prize piece. What are, what are you hoping that they're getting out of this? That's a really complicated question because I hope they're getting. I hope everybody's getting something different. I think everybody connects to somebody else that has been incarcerated or deals with mental illness or deals with somebody with a substance abuse issue, and it may just be that they're reminded of those people that maybe they haven't talked to in a while, and maybe they just need to reach out and just love on that person, not harp on them and say you know you're a bad person. Or just remind people to love people that may be missing from their lives. Or remind people that maybe feel like they're missing, that they're cherished and loved as well. So that's a good point that you bring up there. So there are people undoubtedly listening to the podcast right now who do know somebody and they haven't even thought about them because we all get busy and we all get distracted and, and caught up in the events and details of our own life. So when you're reaching out to people like this, how do we do that? You kind of touched on a little bit. Could you could you expound on that a little bit? Hug. I think that's one really good thing. I was just somebody just asked that same question when I was talking about our project. And I was like, how do we reach out? And uh, I love the book written by Gary Chapman titled uh, Five Love Languages. 
and people receive love in different ways. My wife wants gifts, and I know that because I built a relationship with her. And I know when she's struggling or suffering, like this morning, she just had a surgery, so I bought her certain things at the store. Um, for me, uh, who struggles with mental illness, my love language is the way I receive love is through physical touch. So I'm going to hug Dave right now. We are hugging. It's really happening. It's live hugging. It's live hugging. It's very nice. Um, I, I have just so many questions for you, Joe, because I find this very interesting. Now you're you're interacting. Art Prize started on Wednesday of this week, so it's just it's just been up for a few days. What has been the reaction and the response so far that you've received? Well, I was really hoping we'd get a lot more of a negative response, uh, but people are really excited about it and have a lot of positive things. And are, you know, we've had uh, at least a couple of people just come and walk away with tears in their eyes because they can relate to the the message behind it. So it's extremely positive. We had a couple of people ask, you know, well, these people put themselves in a situation like the panhandler and and stuff. It's uh, self-inflicted, um, and we just address that. And just say, you know, we just address it individually as best as we can. I haven't had those conversations yet, so I can speak to it. But somebody else you're going to talk to in a few minutes has. Can you, so talk to me a little bit. Why were you hoping for a negative response? Um, because it's it's a tough issue. And, and you know, it's, it's great to talk to somebody that agrees with you. But if you can, uh, in a positive way, encourage those that maybe disagree with you, I think you can make some headway in how society runs and how people's lives are changed and affected. Do you find that, uh, do you think there's some people that have come by here that just, that don't get it or just don't want to get it? Oh, totally. If you walk by from 10 feet, you're going to just see a 17-foot a beer bottle. And who doesn't like that? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't drink beer. I'm a sweet tea kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink beer either, but hey, there you go. I'm sure this is Beer City USA, which you do have on the label here. Now, is Blue Bridge Brewing Company just a name you came up with, or is that a real thing? Uh, that's the thing we came up with. We just tried to watch out for the legality of trying to use somebody else's name. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't want to put a well-known uh, a beer company's name on that uh, that sign. That probably wouldn't that probably wouldn't uh, go well for you. Right. So uh, actually, JW, who is our builder, came up with the the blue be- uh, whatever the name of it is, <laughs> Blue Bridge Brewing Company, which is a bit of a tongue twister. Try to say it three times fast right now. I like turtles. <laughs> that's, a, that's, his, that's Joe's go-to answer um, Anytime he has something he's not sure what to answer Hey Jan We're going to bring Jan over here uh, So we're going we're adding someone else to the podcast We have one mic today so we're kind of We're kind of passing it around And we're bringing Jan in And, and Jan, is, Jan has been in charge of like Organizing what we say on our signs And making sure the signs get complete How many signs we need um, and We're trying to be sensitive on what signs we put up there and uh, she's done a really fantastic job, and she's a fantastic story that I'd like for you guys to hear about. So. I I definitely want to hear that. I'm going to let Carol interview her in a her in a second, and uh, she didn't know that. But I did. So I did one one last question for you before we we jump over to Jan, and we'll bring you back on. Um, do you? If I see someone on the side of the road, which obviously if you've been in Chicago, New York, big cities, even here in Grand Rapids, more and more, if we see someone that has a sign on the side of the road. What should we think? What should we do? What's what's the proper response to that? Well, anytime you're trying to spontaneously love somebody, it's difficult. The real response would be right now, while you're hearing this podcast, to say, I'm going to do something about that. And being prepared. So, well, 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 What can we do? Uh, you can have a note that you've written tomorrow. Actually, Sunday, we're going to have a bunch of note cards out where we can write notes of encouragement to people on the side of the road. You can have a care package with just some deodorant, socks. I mean, just practical stuff. Spend $3 
and give it to somebody on the side of the road where you have a package of, uh, I don't know, peanut butter crackers, you know? So just, it's, it's little things, but it's from what I'm hearing you say is be prepared because if you're in a place where you see people like this, do something. Well, And I guess there's probably people listening going, does that make a difference? Does that, does that really have any sort of impact? Well, I can tell you this. If, if you go to a homeless person or you go to your brother and sister and you give them a million dollars, it's going to have an impact. But it's going to have a uh, an over-the-top impact. But if you go to them when they're hurting or they're down and they're struggling and you do a small little touch of love, I, I, I feel like in my own personal experience that's going to have a much more of a, an eternal impact, which is what we're going for. That's fantastic. Okay, so Dave handed the mic off to me. This is Carol, and I'm here with Jan, who is another one of the artists working on the project here downtown at Art Prize. And I would just like to know a little bit more about you, Jan. What made you get involved in this project? Okay, well, I go to the same church as Joe at City Life Church in Grand Rapids, and he just put a little message out on Facebook one day that he was had an idea for Art Prize and was looking for other people to help with it. And if we were interested to let him know, so I indicated that I was, and it's all kind of history from there. <laughs> what was it about the project that appealed to you? Well, I have done some volunteer work with homeless people at Degage Ministries in the past. Um, I also am a recovering alcoholic, and I just celebrated 10 years of sobriety in August. Congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. And um, I was also in a 20-year marriage um, where I was physically and mentally abused for the length of that marriage. And so... You know, I can relate to a lot of different situations that people come across in life, and it's really hard. Um, it's hard when you're really well grounded to get back up on your feet and recover, uh, and that there's a lot of people out there that don't have the resources that I had available to me. Um, I was working full time and had a good job, and I could support myself, but you know. I, I'm just lucky, and there's a lot of people with so many strikes against them that it's really hard, once you're in that hole, to climb out of it. Um, what would you say um, was the most helpful thing that people could do for you when you were in that place? Well, obviously the best thing anybody can do is pray for the person, and uh, just I guess if you know somebody that's in a situation, regardless of what it is, um, you want to support them, but you don't want to enable them either. So um, just, I'm going to say prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in the best way to help that person. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, none of us on this project would be here right now. So we're just all very, very humbled at the good response that the project's getting. Mm -hmm and honored to have been asked to be part of it. That's really cool. Um, I've heard people say that um, sharing the good news of Jesus doesn't have as much impact if you're not meeting their, their physical needs at the same time. Would you agree or, or would you feel that just going and talking to somebody about Jesus that's on the side of the road would be a helpful thing for them? Absolutely. I mean, it's the the best gift you could ever give anybody, and it's a gift that's, it's just, it's not physical. It's going to last late for eternity. It's a it's a spiritual gift, and it's it's a soul feeding gift, 
and um, yeah, that's the best thing. I mean, and definitely not in a judgmental or Mm -hmm. preachy kind of way, but you know, just you know, maybe if you did come across somebody with a sign along the side of the road, you could stop and just say, "Hey, I need to pray for you. Can I have your first name?" And I'm really concerned about you, and I, I, you know, I want the best for you. Just you know, whatever you Mm -hmm. can do, but you know. A lot of people have been turned off by religion in the past, sure. myself included, and um, so the best way is just to be genuine about it, and uh, again, ask the Holy Spirit for the right words and the right actions when you're in that situation. That's really cool. That's very encouraging to me because sometimes I'm prepared with those little care packages Joe was talking about or with peanut butter crackers, but not always, so it's nice to know that even if I don't have anything tangible to give them that I can just give them a little time and that will be an encouragement too and to pray for them and um, it takes some courage to go up to somebody that you don't know and ask to pray for them but I think I'd like to try that it it does and a lot of people too especially if you're dealing with a homeless person with a sign some people are just oh you know what is this guy going to do to me you know people are afraid but um, you know God's going to take care of you in that situation and just don't hesitate. I mean, I don't give money to panhandlers myself, mm-hmm. but I certainly say hi, and I certainly, you know, let them know that I see them and that I recognize them as an individual and as a human being. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been times in my past when just a person acknowledging me mm-hmm. and just saying, hi, how you doing? I mean, it just really made a big world of difference for me. So we just need to be maybe not so focused on ourselves and, you know, maybe walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, you know, and not not judge, well, probably did this and they probably did that. That's not our place to, to judge that. So, um, again, just come at it with the Holy Spirit guiding you. And um, I think really good, positive miracles can happen. That's great. Um, I've often heard people say, why don't they just get a job? Can you speak to that? Like, I mean, I... <laughs> What are some of the factors that would go into a response to that? Why why would they not have a job at the moment? Why would they be on the side of the road? What puts someone there? Well, you know, first of all, I'm not going to say that there aren't people with signs that are just trying to make a quick buck. I'm not going to deny that one little bit. There's a lot of obstacles in the way of somebody, somebody especially someone homeless, who maybe doesn't know how to write or read very well as far as filling out an application a lot of places want you to apply online nowadays and Mm -hmm. if you're homeless you certainly don't have a laptop that you're lugging around with you Um, no place to be contacted if I want you to come in for an interview you don't have clothes a lot of times you have to help pay for your uniform at certain places restaurants and that sort of thing so there there are obstacles and a lot of people we have to keep in mind are dealing with mental illnesses and so an actual job might be just beyond what they're capable of doing so there's just so many reasons and we can't just assume it's because they don't want to work and they're lazy and they'd rather collect welfare we can't make that assumption anymore because there's just too much too much going on in in each person's life I mean we're all individuals and who knows It's, it's just not our place to make that call Um, I heard that you were the person that um, chose the signs that were to go in this project. What were some of the things that affected your choices? 
Well, I wanted signs that would be authentic and real. So if you're driving down the road and you see somebody, it would be that type of a sign like, oh yeah, I saw a person with a sign like that. I did a little research online. I drew from my own experience of seeing signs. And then we also wanted to include not just homelessness, but suicide prevention, um, recovery from addictions. So just from my own recovery experience, I drew on that and made a lot of um, recovery slogans that had helped me in the past when I was going through that process. Um, just signs that were encouraging and that also maybe would just speak to somebody where they are right now, whether they're in addiction, whether they have a mental problem, or whether they're a family member of somebody with, a, with an issue. I just wanted to have a variety of signs that would impact a lot of people all at once. Okay, I just wanted to say that I think it's really beautiful to see when people can use their own broken stories and the way God has reached into their lives and healed them and um, poured in Jesus' love to make them whole again. Um, and then using that to reach other people and impact their lives for healing. And I just want to say thanks for doing this because I think it's really cool. You're very welcome. And I just wanted to um, share that a lot of times God allows tragedy into our lives. And there's a slogan that goes, um, God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And a lot of us, if we weren't knocked down in the gutter, we wouldn't be in a position to look up and realize that we needed help. We'd be relying on material things, money, you know, and that sort of thing to um, to save us and a lot of us realize exactly where our help and our salvation comes from 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 a bad experience beautiful thank you all right here we go dave back here and we are sitting here with ronnie kirkconnell is that right yes it is you're ronnie kirkconnell yeah perfect um so we uh we just had Carol interview Jan. That is Ronnie's wife. And if you did, I did want to say one thing. If you hear a little squeaking in the background of their conversation, she was holding their, their pet dog, and he was just whining a little bit, but he was fine. He would just like to go run around, and he can't with all these people around. So, Ronnie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Ronnie. I, um, this pri- I'm... All right, so let me ask you this. You told me a little bit before. Um, so how did you get involved with this project? I got involved with probably Joe. He goes to our church at City Life, and um, he asked us. This is a vision that he had. As soon as he asked us about it, it hit home to me as I was um, once an addict. And So Joe, let me, uh, or Joe, Ronnie, how long were you an addict? About 17 years. I had a needle in my arm, a meth. So you, that was your drug of choice, was the meth? That was, yes, that was my drug of choice. Um, and so I personally know about being on these streets and a lot of other things that I've done that wasn't right when I was on drugs. And this is like a bottle of hope for people and for these people. So you were, you were actually homeless for a period of time? Yeah, 
I was homeless for for a period of time, out on the streets, maybe not sleeping under these bridges, but slipping slipping into un- unlocked cars that were unlocked, sleeping in them, and and um, I was out there. How long? How long did that? Were you were you doing stuff like that? As far as being homeless, probably for about four or five years, I was like that, um, in and out. Sometimes I'd stay at people's houses or stuff if I getting high with them or you know if we had drugs or stuff you know they let you stay over you know just the drugs and the money that we got from the money from the drugs is really what got us so-called friends that we thought were friends but now we know that weren't such good friends right because when the money ran out the drugs ran out where did your friends go right right yeah they nowhere nowhere to spend the night back out on the street how hopeless did it feel during those four and five years that you would ever get out of that lifestyle? Mm. Real hopeless. Um, it, it's just kind of hard to get out of a lifestyle when no one trusts you. You know, I didn't have no one that trusted me, including my own family at times. Um, Me and my dad didn't have a relationship um, for 15 years. We didn't speak. We we have that relationship today. So what was it, Ronnie? What started to change? What turned the corner for you? Um, what turned the corner for me is um, I went to prison. And um, I gave my life to Christ 15 years ago, and I've been sober ever since. Now, did you give your life to Christ in prison or outside of prison? Gave my life to Christ through prison, uh, uh, through prison fellowship, Curex program they had coming in there, and um, I just happened to be the one who took it serious and developed a relationship with Jesus. And um, when I got out, I just started getting involved in everything that I could to stay to continue that relationship. So, Ronnie, what is it now in your life? What is it that keeps you sober now? Keeps me sober now is um, my faith. I know every morning that um, I wake up that Satan has no authority over me, that I am a son of God, and that I keep myself surrounded with Christ-like people and totally involved with addiction with people, and just to helping them and being a mentor to them and just being a part of people's lives that other people won't be a part of. So you are giving of yourself out of your own experiences and brokenness. You're walking into other people's brokenness. Is that right? Right. Right. That's exactly what I'm what I'm doing. And is that very is how is that very rewarding for you? It's rewarding for me, but um That's not exactly why I do it. Um, Tell, talk to me about why do you do it then? I do it because I, if I could just bring even one person out of this life, out of drug, out of addiction, of anything, it's worth it. And the main goal is the kingdom. If I could bring any anyone to the kingdom of God, that's just really... the. Uh, just the ultimate thing for me to do absolutely so um talk to me for just a minute uh about when you were 
when you were homeless. I want you to talk to the people listening to this podcast when they encounter homeless people and, and when you encounter homeless people now, what type of response? What are you, what would you, what if you would have, sorry, let me rephrase this question. I'm kind of rambling here. Um, how should people treat homeless people you encounter now? I think people should treat them with humanity. To some people, I try to explain to them about, um, you know, a love for Christ and all that. Even if someone is not a Christian, but just to look at these people in a human way. Um, is that human? No one wakes up in the morning and chooses to go do this. No one's asking you to give money to them or bring them home. Give them, give them our best gift that we have is prayer. Just to pray for them, make them feel worthy, lift them up. A lot of these people just don't feel good about themselves. I didn't feel good about them when I was out here. If we could do that, just just to make them feel worthy and as a person, that's that's what they need, you know. No, I think that's great, Ronnie. Is there anything else you want to add before we, uh, as we finish up? I'm good. I just uh, thank you very much for being here, and I appreciate you talking to me. Ronnie, I think you're awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this, and thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you. All right. Thank you. All right. This is Dave back uh, on the microphone here. We have another member of the team of the of Broken People for the Art Prize piece, Missing People. I've got JW with me uh, right now. Say hi, JW. Hello. So I got JW on here. He apparently was the builder of this uh, this piece. Is that right? More or less. Well, I know you had some help, but Joe, uh, as Joe's been walking around talking to the the dozens and dozens of people that have been milling around here over the last uh, half hour or so, he keeps referring to you as the builder. So you had you did a lot of it. I came up with the primary design. I mean, we've had input from everybody, but the primary design was mine. Yes. So um, I know that you had a little bit of a reluctance and you weren't entirely sure you wanted to be on the podcast, and I'm really glad you are. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, the reason this whole piece is so important to me is um, I've been homeless, I've been marginalized, I've been cast out. Um, I didn't have any problem with drugs or alcohol, um, but through a series of events that all kind of occurred at once, I was going through a divorce, estranged from my kids, um, diagnosed with end-stage renal failure, and lost my home all at the same in the same time, matter of months. Wow, that that is a lot to swallow, there, my friend. You you had, you had mentioned a second ago because we were talking um, away from the microphone. And we were talking about how the response of sometimes some people are like, well, the people on the streets, they deserve it. These are consequences of decisions that you have made. And you made a point of saying that's not true for everybody. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, sometimes it's a result of people's actions. Um, sometimes it's it, I mean, it's really not. I mean, like I said, in my, in my case, it was just a matter of life happened. The odds of everything happening all at once like that are slim, but they do happen. And not everybody who's in that position is there because of choices that they've made or because of bad decisions or because of addictions or anything like that. So how are you doing now? I'm doing great now. I've gotten involved in a great church, a great bunch of people who've been encouraging, um, who've helped me get out of that situation or helped me get back on my feet. So thanks to the grace of God, I'm getting there 
So how long how long were you in that spot? I mean, my goodness, you had so much just fall on you at the same time. How how long were you homeless? Uh, roughly a year and a half. How long ago was that? I uh, started staying with a friend from church back in May. So, yeah, it was up to what, six months ago. So super, super recent stuff in your life here. What started to change and turn the corner to get you to the place where you are now? Getting back into church. Getting back into my relationship with God. Getting back into my faith. I turned my back on God when everything started falling apart. and Getting back into my relationship with Him and helped me get into a relationship with people who cared. People who look at people in that situation as people not just as the scum of the earth now did you uh did you were you ever one of, did you ever stand on the side of the road with a sign or anything like that no i've i was always too ashamed to do that and i've never been good at asking for help when i need it so i i've never done that but i've known people who have i've been friends with people who have been in that situation you know, so you know, it's interesting because I think sometimes when we see people on the side of the road or someone who's uh, signed and you think they, it's easy to categorize them and, and feel like they look a certain way and it's extremely judgmental. I look at JW here, I never ever would have guessed that, that you have been through all that. Um, I'm super thrilled that you are back and to the place where you are. How did people treat you in this during that time when you were homeless? The vast majority of them treated me like most people treat homeless people. You know, like, you know, you've made bad decisions, you don't deserve any help, you don't deserve, you know, to be treated like a human being. Why do you think, and we talked about this a little bit off off the uh, the microphone, why does it seem that so often the church is so willing to jump into that bandwagon and say that, you know, homeless people, people who need help, I'm not going to help them because it's their own fault? Personally, I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, one, even Christians are human. We all make our, you know, prejudgments. We all make our, you know, have our preconceptions. Um, part of it is cultural. You know, society you know, in this country is very biased towards the homeless and towards people who have any kind of mental problems or addiction problems. Um, a lot of it just boils down to preconceptions and prejudices. It's, it's so tragic, and I, I agree with you. And I think it's just easier to just live our lives and, and not worry about it and see something and feel bad about it and put the blame back on them and then just continue driving down the road because we've got someplace we've got to go. Would you agree with that? I do. Um, and even, for, you know, even having been through that situation, oftentimes it's hard to portray the love of Christ the way that we should. It's hard to follow in the steps of, of Jesus. He's the ultimate example of love, and it's just we're human. We don't have that innate ability on our own. So tell me, how has it been, like we said, Art Price started just a couple of days ago. How has it been being around this, this entry and the response that you've been getting? How's that been for you? Honestly, I spent the last few days in the hospital due to my kidney disease um but 
coming here uh, just this morning it's been amazing the reaction i'm getting from people just seeing the amount of crowds that are coming people you know taking pictures of it and talking about it getting the message out there has been incredible it makes me feel really proud of it all right this is dave again and um i have pulled a random person out of the crowd to talk with me i don't have any idea who this person is we've never met before but when I asked a group of girls if one of them was brave, they all volunteered here, and she said, absolutely, I'll do it. So she's a type of my person. You're, you're part of my tribe. Right. So what, what's your name? My name is Madeline Anderson. All right, Madeline, and where are you from? I'm from Hastings, Michigan. Awesome. I had a good friend who used to live in Hastings. Not a bad little town. So you're out here enjoying Art Prize with some friends. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. And how often have you been to Art Prize? Um, this is my third year going, so I've gone annually. Cool. And uh, how old are you, if I can ask? I'm 16. And you go to uh, Hastings Public School? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you're walking around Art Prize, and you see this piece, and then this crazy guy comes up and asks you if you want to be on a podcast, and here you are. What do you think about this uh, this entry into Art Prize? I think it's different. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I It really like it came out to me when I like started reading everything that was on it. The one thing that really stood out to me was the homeless does not equal crazy, and I think people have a really bad misconception about all of that. So I really enjoy looking at it. So what is your conception um, of homeless people? I think they're doing everything that they can do to get by, and I believe that sometimes people have to resort to asking any random people for anything they can do because they've just, they don't have anything, and I think it's sad. All right. Hey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. Enjoy Art Prize. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, here we are. I have pulled another random person out from the crowd. And what is your name, ma'am? Eileen Doyle. Eileen, and you're here enjoying Art Prize for the day? Yes, sir. So you're walking around and you see, and there's tons and tons of art out here, of course. Is this your first time at Art Prize? Yes. Really? Where are you from? Um, well, I was born here, but I now live in San Francisco, California. I love San Francisco. You're here on vacation? Uh, yes, I'm here with my family. I was born here, so I'm coming back to see Art Price. Well, welcome back. What do you think of Art Price so far? Very nice. The city looks beautiful. Did you miss it? Yes. Uh, the downtown was not quite like this when I was being uh, raised here, so it's nice to see the change. It has changed a lot. Okay, so you're walking along and you see this big cardboard bottle and it kind of really stands out. What did you think as you're coming up to this? Um, I was drawn in, especially by reading the um, different signs. There's some very clever and very moving um, and funny signs. What are some of the, finds, the, some of the signs that stood out to you? Um, a lot of them about... Um, I want to get past this. I'm better than this. Um, I haven't lost hope. I feel like society has. Those type of sentiments kind of resonated with me. And so, uh, obviously, I've been to San Francisco before, a long time ago. Love the city. And, of course, you have homeless people there. Yes. So when you see a homeless person on the sidewalk, by the side of the road, how do you normally respond? Um, it's intimidating, oftentimes, for me as what, what, a woman. Okay, so talk to me a little bit. You say it's intimidating, which I, I totally understand, but explain a little bit about that. 
Well, um, I work in a hospital, so I see a lot of these um, people as patients, so I understand a little bit more um, the histories behind them, the uh, mental illness, the drug addiction, the multiple problems that create this situation that we're looking at, and the lack of resources. Uh, it's hard, you, you empathize, but it is a little scary too, because you just don't ever know when uh, there's going to be a reaction not the type of reaction that you want to deal with and you're vulnerable in a setting on the streets. Um, when, I, when they're in the hospital it's a lot easier, it's a controlled environment and I'm a little bit more in command. But in the streets, in San Francisco they tend uh, sometimes to be in large groups. We have what they call the tent cities now and so those areas can be a little bit intimidating. So I, I'm not familiar with this at all. I did not hear about this. There are groups of homeless people in tents? Yes. Well, um, some of the coalitions actually are giving tents to the homeless people as a way to try to give them shelter. So what has happened is um, they will congregate in their tents. Uh, then we had the Super Bowl there this year, so they moved them out of one area for um, the press. And so they've relocated into different areas of the city. And it's hard because there's often needles and feces and things like that. They actually live in their, that environment. But they feel safer there than going into the shelters, I'm told. The shelters that we have, plenty of shelters in San Francisco, but they often will stay empty. So it's a very, very complex situation um, about their safety and their need to be able to survive and what they need to get, and a lot of it is about being together, being able to be by their supplier, being able to be by other people who won't judge their um, situations. So last question for you, if you, the people might, who are gonna be listening to this podcast, and they're kind of thinking, well, you know, that's nice, but these homeless people, they've kind of just made some bad choices, and this is the consequences, and they just got to kind of live the result of their consequences. How would you, how would you urge people like that to think differently? Well, um, there's certainly an element of that, but when you understand that this, again, is about addiction, mental illness, um, financial hardships... I think that um, it may appear as though they're making these choices rationally, but they aren't. Uh, they're a victim of their circumstances. And the idea would be to get them the resources that they need to be able to change their lives. And so it's, it's hard. It, it's, uh, again, it's about addiction. It's about um, mental illness. That's why you see so many vets in this situation. This, these are people that have been um, thrown aside and damaged, and they need our help, and we just have to figure out how to do that. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show. We've got a little flyer here for you if you want to hear yourself. The name of the podcast is An Open Letter, okay. and it's on iTunes. It's on SoundCloud, Facebook. You can find us. So very nice to meet you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. We've been walking around and listening to Joe talk to some of the people here with uh, people enjoying Art Prize. We've called a couple of people off the road here or the sidewalk to talk to us. We just want to wrap up with uh, chatting with Mr. Joe Reed one last time. Mr. Joseph, how's your afternoon been? I like turtles. I don't know why Joe says this. Every time he doesn't know what to think of, he says, I like turtles. So, <laughs> you know, the thing about this is, is when the microphone's not in front of your face, nobody can hear what you're saying. So... When I do this. <laughs> yeah, that's not helpful. My, my podcast listeners are 
that's actually a boom mic, so yeah. Are we hearing awesome. everything up? We're hearing, never mind, yeah. never mind. So Joe, how, how uh, as we finish up here, thank you so much for letting us, uh, thank you so much for letting us come out here and do the podcast with you. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> so how has today been with you? You like to stand up. It's kind of funny. You give these little speeches. Um, what what are the responses been for today? You know, it's kind of weird to think that at an art exhibit that you would connect with people um, that kind of go through emotional issues. So having one lady that would just weeping coming up to me and just sharing her story uh it's pretty pretty touching pretty meaningful um did that happen today yeah oh yeah it's happening consistently (laughs) so um there's you know people that people that deal with uh, mental illness connect pretty pretty tightly pretty tight new group of people especially we start talking about what wait what medication are you on ah yeah do you do you swap medications uh no but you swap stories i think the whole swapping medication thing might be illegal right right so they never do that no i don't know if they do i don't do that well i uh anything (laughs) any last thing you want to talk to people who might be listening to the podcast in relation to homelessness mental illness and this entire project uh, you just have to be intentional when you when you have missing people or especially for those that, that have missing people in their lives you have to be intentional and plan to reach out and love people but for those that are actual missing people they can't be intentional because usually they're not in the mental state to be intentional so you really need to uh, if you're able to to reach out and love those people in an intentional and uh, non-spontaneous way you gotta you got have some planning into it you gotta know a little bit about them and you gotta a little bit know a little bit about their need and just throw yourself into it. it. Usually when you're facing a fear and you throw yourself right into that fear, you're going to come out a, a better person. And if there is somebody out there listening who is a missing person, what words of hope and encouragement can you give them? Uh, just that you matter and that there are people that need you in their lives. And there ain't nobody that out there that doesn't need it, that, that doesn't need you. There's somebody out there that needs your relationship that might miss you, whether you have a kid you haven't seen in a while, which is... Uh, you know, I don't know if JW shared his story, but he's got kids he hasn't seen in a long time that are missing, and he has a hard time realizing how important he is in their lives. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're valuable. And in, in my worldview, uh, you're valued because you're created, and you're created with love by a, by a great God. So. Um, as I wrap up here, one last thought, which, um, and it's okay because we have some time left on the podcast, I think but I'm going to take it anyway. So you and I are both believers in Jesus Christ. We're both Christians. And there's this thought, I grew up very conservative, and now my thought process has changed a lot over the last few years because I I would think, well, this is not something the government should be involved with. This is something, so I'm not going to vote for anybody who's who's talking about taking the money from one side of people and giving it to other people who need it because they're just going to waste it anyway. so there's this thought in the Christian circles, which you know, of, you know, the government shouldn't do anything to help. But my, my guess is, and my problem is, is that far too infrequently the church isn't doing anything about it anyway. So while I'm not super excited about the government running these programs, because I don't think they always do a good job, somebody's got to do something. And right now it doesn't seem like anybody's willing to do anything other than the government programs, the imperfect ones that are in place. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's uh, it's your responsibility to do something. So, yeah, here you say government, the church, these are organizations. 
but when you you're listening to the sound of my voice you're hearing Dave you're hearing me you're a person and you have a responsibility to humanity you have a responsibility as a creative being to act and not to shrug that responsibility off on an organization or somebody else you can't solve a million people's uh, hunger problem but you can solve one person's problem and if one person solves one person's problem then I think we're going to be a lot better off. Stop shrugging the responsibility off on other people and take the responsibility for yourself. Well, you can't end it better than that. That is awesome. I love that. Um, this is an open letter podcast. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we are on iTunes now. If you might have found us there, we're on Facebook. We'd really like for you to contact us. We need your response. We need your feedback. If you can, you can hear Joe going off in the background again. He's starting again. Uh, it is our. Please email us. It's an open letter to you. That's the number two, the letter U, an open letter to you at gmail.com. We'd really like to hear your response and your feedback. It only helps us be- make us better. And please, uh, if you could, give us reviews on iTunes. We want to give our thanks to Amway and Wolfgang Puck here in Grand Rapids. We have been kind of on their property here a little bit, and we've gotten their permission, and we want to thank them for that. Hope you have a great day.